Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 28, 2009. And we're going to continue with the Hebrew Roots um, warning, Messianic Christian Zionism study that we've been doing, the warning on that. And we're going to shift gears now, going to a different part. This is going to be the biggest study I've ever done, because we're going to cover a lot of different aspects. This is a very complex issue. I've already done things on, I've done a whole study on the hexagram, which they say is the um, star of David. David never had nothing to do with the hexagram. <laughs> I proved that in the study. Um, they also refer to it as the seal of Solomon, and now there may be some truth in that because Solomon uh, did go pretty far into apostasy uh, at one part in his life. So uh, that may be true in the seal of Solomon, but done a whole study on that with the accompanying PDF file. Now, if you access one of my studies, typically there will be a PDF file associated with it, which is the document that verifies with a lot of times links and things like this that you can go to to research it further. Bear that in mind. I think a lot of times I'll get questions from people about a study and the PDF is all they needed to look at. So always check for the PDF. And if you have a question about something, um, another thing you, that you can do is just put the subjects that you're interested in in quotes and do keyword searches for it on the on the internet and see what you can come up with. Um, that's another way that you can search these things out because I'm I'm being so bombarded with emails. I, I'm to the point where I don't know how much longer I'll be able to um, uh, take all these emails. Uh, I could literally just about be chained to the computer the way it is right now. So. Um, I'm only one person. I can only do so much, and, and um, I'm pretty much maxed out the way it, the way it is right now. I'm not complaining. The Bible says too much is given, much is required, but uh, it's just pretty overwhelming. Anyway, this is would be part five of the Hebrew Roots Messianic Christian Zionism Warning Teaching, and um, this is from a study called To Embrace the Hebrew Roots. This is part one. We're going to be going through all these parts. And this starts out by saying, There is a growing movement within Christianity which contends that Christians need to return to their Hebrew roots. The leaders of this movement purport to be teaching believers that the Hebrew roots of Christianity, through the study of the Jewish foundational teachings, Having been enjoined to study Hebrew roots, it is only reasonable that one must take a close look at the teachings of the Messianic and Hebrew roots movements as well as the Hebrew faith itself, the current Hebrew faith, current modern-day Judaism, which we talked about that a lot in parts 1 through 4, which I really believe that laid the foundation for what we're going to be getting into. We're reminded in Colossians 2, 6-9, through 9, that where it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. This is what the Bible says. We're supposed to beware of this. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, we talked about in... in the stud, previous studies that the Midrash and the Torah, they've, there's been a lot of rabbis that have flat out stated that that is, um, the Midrash and the Talmud, I should say, is the new Torah. 
In other words, it is their, their new gold standard by which they practice their religion. It's not even the first five books of the Bible anymore. Okay? They've gone to the point where they've went to what they call the oral traditions, the Babylonian Talmud, which is one of the most blasphemous works ever produced on the planet. It says the most vile things about Jesus Christ that you could ever imagine, and that has become their gold standard for many of these rabbis. I mean, they flat out say it. And we got into all those quotes in the, in the previous teachings. So when it says here, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, that is what these oral traditions are. They're the opinions of men. They're not the word of God. They're the opinions of men that hated Jesus Christ with a passion. These are the Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus Christ referred to as you know, vipers and serpents, and you're of your father the devil, and of his works you will do. And you're white sepulchers full of dead man's bones. Meaning you're like a tomb that looks nice on the outside, but inwardly you're full of dead man's bones. This is the philosophy and vain deceit we need to be aware of. A part of it, I mean, I know there's a lot of cults out there, but then it says after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. Stick to the word of God. Okay, don't, don't be overcome by some teacher that gets you away from the word of God. The Bible says, for whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you go and you're like, you have your little Jewish guru guy, some rabbi or whatever, the Bible says, call no man rabbi or father. Did you know that? talks about that in Luke, where we're not supposed to call a man rabbi either. the same verse where it talks about you call no man father. For there's one father, your father in heaven. Okay? I think it's okay to call him dad, your, your earthly dad, dad, but not father. And that's in the word of God. Is the Hebrew roots, as some might suggest, merely the study of the Old Testament, which Christians already study in light of the New Testament? What do the Hebrew foundational teachings expound with regard to the New Testament? The Messiah, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the persons or manifestations of God, the Bible, and the character of God. I could never accept the concept of being spoon-fed answers to my questions from those promoting the movement or belief that it is questionable. That it is questionable. To embrace Hebrew roots theology without a full review and understanding of its teachings would be blindness on our part and leading to ignoring the many warnings we find in the Word of God. I've seen a lot of people just get into this, I mean, tr particularly in the Pentecostal church, because I've seen a lot of people in the Pentecostal church segue into this. They've totally segued into the Hebrew roots. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're deceived already. I've been there, okay? I, I know. And they just segue into this and they don't even question it. It's like, you know ever seeking knowledge but never coming to the you know the knowledge of truth where it talks about that in the bible it's like they're seeking 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 they want more and more they want more and more of this gnosticism this hidden knowledge that supposedly now the hebrew roots movement can bring them through their rabbis and through whoever's teaching it it's really about wanting secret knowledge which has a lot to do with pride the prophecies of god are of no private interpretation though as the bible talks about um, 
we need to review and understand these teachings. And a study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we're trying to do today here. Second Timothy three thirteen through seventeen says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what the Bible predicts, that evil men and seducers are going to wax, meaning grow, worse and worse. They're going to deceive you, if they can, and they themselves are going to be deceived. Oh, but they're so sincere. So, so what? You know, there's that expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's a lot of truth in that, if you really think about that. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wow. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. So, a lot of these people, they're already deceived, particularly in the Pentecostal movement. Uh, it's it's a very much a movement based on feelings in your heart. And that's why it's so easy to get off track biblically. Oh, I heard from God. He spoke to me. Oh, is that so? You know how many times I was in the Pentecostal movement I had supposedly a word from God from somebody that would come up to me? Oh, I got a word of God from you. Do you know I can't ever remember one time that word, if it was a prediction, ever came to pass? Ever. You need to do this. You need to do that. Ended up looking like a fool most of the time. And the devil was sitting there just laughing at me, and he had every right to. Now, I'm not saying people can't hear from God, but I'm telling you what my experience was in the Pentecostal movement was that. Okay, and the modern-day Pentecostal movement started with the Azusa Street, and Azusa Street in and of itself was an abomination. All kind of things went on at Azusa Street that were totally out of order biblically. The Bible says to do all things in decency and in order. Well, that was about the opposite of what was going on there. And, that, and the, most Pentecostals will attribute their, their foundational beginnings to this thing that happened at Azusa Street. Now, if it was true and valid, why wasn't it happening all the way from, essentially, when Jesus died on the cross and, and afterward at Pentecost, why wasn't it happening all the way from there to here? This is just something that's come about in modern day times. All these manifestations, and then you look at all the preachers that have propagated it, like Benny Hinn, and, and, and again, this has segued into this Hebrew Roots stuff, the Messianic stuff. I, I've seen a lot of transition into that. That's why I said that. I've got a whole PDF on the Pentecostal issues that, that you know, I can... Uh, if, you, if you go up on... Um, the keyword search box on the homepage and just key in either charismatic or Pentecostal or the, the word files there, the PDF files there, you can access it and it, it'll give you all of the information that I talked about. So going further, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, good works follow salvation, and good works also follow hiding the word of God in your heart and learning the word of God. But it's not good works is what saves you. Okay? I understand the Bible says faith without works is dead. But I will show you my faith by my good works. Okay? So you have to have the right order. Faith is what comes first. Primarily the faith that saves. For you're saved by faith through grace and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So you have to have the right order here. We know that many of the Hebrew Roots ministries are connected with each other and with various other types of ministries. This obligates us to investigate them even more thoroughly. By examining the Hebrew Roots teachings, those of the Jewish faith and its mystical exponent, the the Kabbalah, which is indeed a very concerning aspect of the Hebrew Roots movement. Oh yes, I said that. The Kabbalah, oh no, we don't have, I'm, I'm Hebrew Roots, I'm Messianic, I have nothing to do with the Kabbalah. Well, that may be true, but there's a lot of people in the Hebrew Roots movement and Messianic that do have a lot to do with it. And a lot of them are at the very top, teaching other people. Now if the head is sick, the whole body is going to be sick. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? According to Psalm 11 verse 3. So don't tell me it's not affecting you. If your teacher is caught up in this, and they're they're into the Talmud, and they're into the Kabbalah, don't tell me it's not going to affect you spiritually. Why? Because of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Though they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. That's what that Bible verse says. Though they promise them liberty. Really, all this is promising you, this Hebrew roots, is not liberty, but bondage. This is bondage that we're talking about here. This is being brought back into bondage that Christ Jesus delivered us from. There's so many Bible verses regarding this subject that I just don't know. This is going to be a lot of a lot of parts to this teaching. I apologize, but. In order to address it thoroughly, uh, it has to be done. Anyway, going further. So, anyway, the Kabbalah is interwoven into this, whether, whether you want to believe that or not. And I'm not saying every single person that's in Hebrew roots is, is reading the Kabbalah, okay? Which is the highest form of Jewish mysticism, the highest form, one of the highest forms of witchcraft on the planet, if not the highest. And now, those who have challenged the Hebrew Roots teachings in the past have been dealt with swiftly and with the utmost hostility. For example, a response was forwarded to me that came from one of the Hebrew Roots leadership. This retort was in response to information sent out. Now, this is this particular man writing this article. I'm just reading it. Um, But I've dealt with a lot of Hebrew Roots preachers and people that espouse this. Particularly, the biggest thing you deal with is the Sabbath versus Sunday issue. Okay, that, that's, that's the biggest thing by far that they're absolutely obsessed with. And I have, I've been re-inspired to even look at this again. And now I've got even probably three times the information to prove this point. Um, it, all Bible verses, it's not me, it's just Bible, okay? Primarily New Testament. 
But this, by far, is the most contentious issue of, of anything that I deal with. By far. And it's amazing to me that these people just so want to key on the Sabbath. And they say, they cite, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. These types of things. They say, but it's as though they forget all the other hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments that were talked about in the New Testament. Now, I've got a whole listing of them. 45 pages of them. 45 pages of commandments from the New Testament. Admonitions, whatever you want to call them. What about those? What about the other 45 pages? Why do you want to just key on one thing? I, I'm just, you know, I, I, this Sabbath issue, I tell you, I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything that would divide people like that issue. And I'm going to probably be redoing the study, or be re-giving uh, and, and showing you these Bible verses, New Testament. Now, if you believe the New Testament's been done away with or is invalid in its current form, which I'm going to show you here, the Hebrew Roots people are being, a lot of them are being taught that, that the, the New Testament is insignificant, it's corrupted, because it's in, it was translated from Greek and it should have been translated in Hebrew or Aramaic. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at all that. If you believe that, we have nothing to argue about. Nothing at all. I don't want to argue with you anyway. I don't have time for it anymore. But if you believe that, there's nothing to argue about anyway because you don't believe the Word of God is what it is anyway. You want to believe in the traditions of men. You want to believe that our Bible's been corrupted. There's no point in even getting into this at all. None. Because the premise of your argument is totally different. The foundational premise of your argument is totally different than mine. You're not going to convince me that we don't have the Word of God. You're not going to do it. You're not going to convince me that the King James Bible is not the Word of God. I've got a whole other 40-page document on that as well. And you have to understand, I've been amassing and amassing and amassing material for years and years and years. Gleaning and gleaning and gleaning. Not because I'm better than anyone else. But I'm semi-equipped at this point regarding these types of issues. Doesn't mean I'm better. Doesn't mean I think I'm better than you. I want anybody to go to hell. I don't want that. I want everyone that listens to these, I want everyone on the planet to be saved if it be possible. But I know that's not going to happen. The Bible says, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal. Few there be that find it. What this boil, ends up boiling down to most of the time is somebody that thinks that they're going to be saved through their works. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. The Seventh-day Adventists and if you want to be associated with that cult, that's up to you. I'm going to do a whole teaching on them as well. That's a cult. You ever looked at the, the, the how the Seventh-day Adventists got started? They equate Sunday worship with taking the mark of the beast. They say you've already, essentially, you're taking the mark of the beast. It's kind of funny. I thought the mark of the beast was taking a mark in your right hand or your forehead whereby which, without it, you wouldn't be able to buy, sell, or do any business. I thought that was the market. I didn't realize Sunday worship was. 
I am going to attack this issue, which I believe is straight from the pit of hell, harder than I've ever attacked any other issue I've ever approached. Ever. I'm going to do more studies on this and more parts to prove this than any other thing I've ever addressed. Because it is a complex issue, and because this has been a long time coming regarding this. And you can come back at me and, and you know, cuss me out or do whatever you want to do. It's really irrelevant to me. You will not stop me. The only one that can stop me is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have prayed before I've done this that he would stop me. That he would, whatever he has to do, if I am not on the side of righteousness, then take me out, God. Shut my mouth. I mean that. I really do. Because I do not want to be on, on, I don't want to be on the devil's side on any issue. But I'm telling you, I believe this is one of the most dangerous issues out there. I see it infiltrating Christians. I see it infiltrating so many aspects of different religions out there. They have a Christian veneer. And I just view it as, as incredibly dangerous. This whole issue. We talk about with the Hebrew Roots Movement, the Sabbath, the hexagram, the, the keeping of the Jewish traditions, the observing days and times and years, and, and, and then go, having to go back to the Talmud and the Midrash and, and living in the Torah and, and throwing out the New Testament and questioning the Word of God. It's all lumped together. It is. I'm not saying every aspect of Messianic Judaism or whatever are all the same. They're not. Okay, and, and there's, there's certain parts of it where I would actually be in agreement with some of these groups about certain issues. Okay, so I'm not saying they're all been corrupted to the same degree. Or to lump everybody in that boat together. I'm not saying that. But a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That's been proven in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 5. And, and what is leaven? What did Jesus say leaven was? The, the disciples came back to him and says, well, what are you talking about, bread? No, leaven is the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That was the original context of the word leaven that Jesus Christ used. What are we talking about here today? With this Hebrew roots infiltration, this messianic thing, what are we talking about? We're talking about leaven, the corruption of the Pharisees and Sadducees, literally the modern day version of the Pharisees and Sadducees, infiltrating modern day Christianity. That's what we're talking about. The exact same scenario. So, anyway, this guy goes on to say that if anybody that's actually challenged the Hebrew Roots movements usually are swiftly dealt with, they're accused of being anti-Semitic. No, you know what it is? It's Galatians 4.16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Oh no, you're anti-Semitic. Oh no, I'll back off now. I don't want to be accused of that. Well, your life as a Christian is not a popularity contest. All this garbage this week about honoring Michael Jackson, I'm sorry, but that, that, is, that is such a gut-wrenching abomination to me personally to see that. But the Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Even the corrupt world should know better not to honor a pedophile, a homosexual pedophile to boot that liked and bragged about sleeping with little boys. 
I saw the interview that they, they had of, the, of him with that little boy where he, the little boy was leaning on his shoulder, and this is the very one that turned around and sued him, that he ended up paying off $20 million. He paid $20 million. Why would you pay somebody off $20 million? Just like Paul Crouch when he, when he paid off that, his gay male lover, that Lonnie Ford guy, paid him all that hush money. Why would you pay off somebody if you weren't guilty? I wouldn't pay them a dime if they'd accused me of something. I don't care what they, I would not pay them a dime because I wasn't guilty. He paid this kid, 20, his family, $20 million. And he said the highest expression that, of, of love that one could have is to share your bed with that person, that, that, that little one, essentially. I heard him, it come out of his own mouth with this 13-year-old boy leaning on his shoulder. They played it over and over again this week. And yet people forget about that? The Bible says it were better if a millstone were hung about that person's neck and they'd be cast in the midst of, of the sea than they offend one of these little ones that believe in me. Anyway. Here's a letter that he got from a well-known leader of the Hebrew Roots Movement who incidentally never addressed any of the issues and attacked with the words. So, in other words, he this ministry is um, geared toward exposing these heresies. Okay? Anything that's contradicted to the word of God. And this leader from the Hebrew Roots Movement responded by this letter. He said, quote, You have to be one of the most arrogant, ignorant, blankety blanks on this earth. I can't, uh, the, they, they blank the word out. You are a total danger to society and to God himself. Your day will not be what you think it will be. I would not wish to be in your shoes. You are a deceiver and a liar. You pervert the facts and you totally distort the truth. May God one day forgive you of your stupidity. Ah! Don't you love the accusing spirit when it rears its ugly head? You know when that spirit typically will manifest in these types of people? When they're put into a corner, when they're exposed, they don't refute things because there's so much that we're going to be discussing in the course of the study that is irrefutable. It's just fact. They don't, they don't try to refute things. They just call, they just call names. They use profanity. They, they, that's all they can do. Why? Because they're trying this accusing spirit that emanates and operates through many of these religious leaders and through a lot of people I've, I've witnessed, what the accusing spirit will do is when that person is cornered or faced with truth, it will come out to play this accusing spirit and will accuse the person of the very things that they're guilty. I mean, it, it accuses the, the, the person trying to expose the truth of the very thing the accused is guilty of. It's like the pot calling the kettle black. Those who question this movement have also often been accused of being of anti-Semitism. Does the presentation of various Jewish doctrines obtained from Jewish sources constitute anti-Semitism? I mean, was it anti-Semitic for me to quote the Talmud, where it talked about you know all of these unbelievably blasphemous things that it said about Jesus Christ, the Babylonian Talmud in particular, and I quoted book, chapter, verse? Was that anti-Semitic of me? I, I'm just telling you what their doctrines say. And you want them to lead you? You want that to infiltrate what you're doing as a Christian? because So you can attain some type of deeper knowledge? I don't want anything they have to give. 
It seems unreasonable to conclude the facts presented objectively are inherently anti-Semitic. Moreover, this writer has no bias against the Jews, but looks forward to the salvation of any through Jesus Christ. Amen. This isn't about because I want the Jews to go to hell. This is because they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're embracing doctrines of devils. They're being seduced by seducing spirits. They're speaking lies and hypocrisy. And I don't want that. Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? We've talked about this a lot. Blindness in part, this is what the Bible says in the New Testament, that blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Does that mean we're better? No, not at all. Again, we need to have balance in regard to this issue. I had a guy email the other day saying, oh no, all the promises that apply to the Jew now, they're done. God's done with them. Totally done. And we get all those promises now. That's all to us. Okay, whatever. I told him, I said, why don't you read Romans 11 and get back to me? So again, trust me, this isn't something to condemn the Jews. I love them enough to tell them the truth. This is more to the people that are wanting to voluntarily Judaize themselves with the modern day religion of Judaism, which doesn't even resemble the Old Testament Levitical that religion anymore. It doesn't resemble that. There's there's some aspects. It says, um, Romans 11, 11, it says, I say then, have they, the Jews, stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. For to provoke them to jealousy. Sometimes jealousy is a good thing. God's jealous about certain things. says that. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? This is talking about the Jews. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, meaning the the Jews, remember, the Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. That's what that says about Jesus Christ. He came to his own, but his own received him not. And there there came a point where blindness, in part, happened to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentile come in. We're referred to as wild olive olive branches as, as a Gentile. And if and if some of the, the branches, the natural branches, be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Remember, Jesus Christ said to him, said about himself in John 15, that, that I am the root, and you know, ye are the branches. Without me, ye can do nothing. That's another analogy there. Then it says, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. I'm not boasting against the branches, okay? That's not what I'm doing today here. I praise the Lord Jesus Christ that, that I, as a wild olive tree, were able to be grafted in. That I have the chance to get saved. And to appropriate the grace through the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. Which I don't deserve, incidentally. The only thing I deserve is death and hell. 
apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ain't saying that either. Well, thou say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, that's pretty prideful to say something like that. Well, they were broken off that I could get grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. What is unbelief? Lack of faith? They didn't have faith. They were, they were not believing. Remember, I said it always boils back to faith. That thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. That's called the fear of God. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, which were the Jews... But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. But I'm telling you, that's what the Word of God says. I'm not going to get into that from a theological standpoint, but, you know, be not high-minded. If they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. God's able to graft the Jews in if they abide not in unbelief. For if Thou wert cut off, cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which are the natural branches, be grafted in into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. And then it says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. When will this primarily happen? Near the end of the tribulation. We reported on this many other times in uh, Zechariah where two-thirds of the Jews, it appears as though from the Bible, will be um, destroyed. Two-thirds. And one-third will come as silver refined, will come through this fire and will look upon whom they have pierced and they're going to get saved. Their eyes are going to be open. Now, again, when people say, oh, they're done with the Jews, well, how, how do you explain, like in Revelation 7, where it gives you the 12 tribes regarding the time of the tribulation and it gives you the 12 tribes by name. Now, Manassas is substituted for Dan, and again, I've done a whole study on that. But actually, Dan is regrafted back in. We found um, other verses in the Bible where it talks about in the Holy City in the millennium that Dan is actually grafted back in. So it appears as though they do repent by the end of the um, tribulation. Again, that's a whole other study, but it was pointed out to me, and I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, you know, praise the Lord. So it goes on to say, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they, meaning the Jews, are enemies for your sake. That's the way it stands then and the way it stands now. Remember, the Jews were the ones that said, Crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Thereby bringing a curse, and I believe partly a blindness to that race, for a long, long time. They asked for this. They said, take away Jesus, give us Barabbas, the murderer. I did a whole study on this, on the um, affliction of the Jews. Why it is, you know, you can key that, any of those words in my keyword search box on my homepage. 
Okay, so as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Oh, but yeah, I guess God's just done with the Jews. But they're still beloved for the Father's sake, though. And it talks about them by tribe and by name in, in Revelation. So anyway, I, I, we could go down that rabbit trail. I just wanted people to understand this is not about me being anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Again, but can we have balance here? Like I've always said about these subjects when we're dealing with them. So, it seems unreasonable to conclude that the facts presented objectively are inherently anti-Semitic. Moreover, this writer has no bias against the Jews, but looks forward to salvation through any, through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a search for truth. The information that will be used in these reports is from the very beliefs and teachings that we are asked to embrace. John 3, 20-21 For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth come to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, for they are wrought in God. The search for truth must test all those involved against such passages as James three thirteen through 16 Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show, out of a good conversation, his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. The wisdom, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And you're going to see how much confusion exists within this movement. How much contradictory confusion. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion and that a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. See, if you just believe in the King James Bible that it's the Word of God and, and you believe the Word of God, then things aren't confusing. But if you start adding all of this other stuff in with all of the things you got to do, and all the things you got to keep, and then you got the Talmud, and the Midrash, and then all the Jewish teachings, and then the rabbis, and then, you know, all this stuff. Things get very confusing very quickly. You can't focus anymore. Your, your, your efforts are so split. It seems fitting, then, that we examine the teachings of prominent leaders, such as Peter Micah of Messengers of the Messiah, Avi Ben Mordecai of Torah Talk and the B'nai Torah Movement, Jacob Prash of Morel Ministries, I've had a lot of people send me his stuff, Larry Rowland of Messengers of Truth, and James Trim of the Society for the Advancement of Nazarene and Judaism. We must consider these and many other groups linked to them which are advocating the Hebrew roots cause. Not all of the individuals and groups mentioned are claiming connections to the Messianic or Hebrew Roots movement, and these distinctions will be noted. In promoting their cause, the Hebrew Roots leaders give us many reasons why we must or should become involved in this movement. For example, Larry Rowland of Messengers of Truth believes that the Bible is a book about the Jewish people and should be studied as such. He is quoted as saying, Today, a travesty is occurring within the body of Christian believers. The church, as well as Christians themselves, have a lack of knowledge concerning their Jewish heritage. Without that knowledge, Christians are burning their bridges at an alarming rate. Burning bridges? 
they have forgotten the foundation on which their faith was obviously founded. See, the foundation of my faith is the word of God. Not on traditions of men, as the Bible warns us about. It's just the word of God. That's it. Okay? And the word of God is the foundation of a Christian's faith. It should be. But that's the problem. Once you get into this stuff, that foundation's not there anymore. It, it, it gets supplanted. It, it is moved aside many times. Or brought into question. He goes on to say, Only the knowledge, only the knowledge of our Hebraic roots will allow us as Christians to span the bridge of time linking yesterday to today. Sounds like, you know, if you don't have this, you know, you might want to be questioning your salvation. According to them. Going back to the article, it says, We have always understood that the Bible was a revelation of God himself. It encompasses his unending love, mercy, justice, patience, and most of all, his plan for humanity and our salvation through Jesus Christ alone. An organization in the Colorado Springs for the propagation of a new kind of church is the Open Church Ministries. It promotes a prophecy written by Dean Cousins regarding the Hebrew Roots Movement. This prophecy discloses that the Hebrew Roots Movement as the last of a series of movements designed to change the direction of the church. The previous movements being the Pentecostal, Charismatic, and Word of Faith. Remember what I just said about the Pentecostal stuff? I could turn this into a teaching on that, but I, I just don't have time to cover it all. Isn't it kind of funny that we look back and we can look at the modern day formation of the Pentecostal movement at Azusa Street? The modern day. I'm not talking about Pentecost. I'm talking about the modern day. Azusa Street. Pentecostal, charismatic. Then you have all of these corrupt televangelists. And people like Amy Simple McPherson and, and, and Catherine Kuhlman and Benny Hinn and all of these corrupt individuals that have been exposed in so many different ways, why in the world would you want to follow these, these people? They are nothing more than wolves in sheep's clothing. They are hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. Their God is the God of mammon, money. And they are of their father the devil, and of his works they will do. Isn't it kind of funny that that was the foundation that's been laid to ultimately bring in the Hebrew Roots Movement? And this organization in Colorado Springs, which is a new kind of church, as they, they call themselves, it promotes a prophecy written by this Dean Cozens regarding the Hebrew Roots Movement. This prophecy discloses the Hebrew Roots Movement as the latest, last, the last in a series designed to change the direction of the church. Yeah, toward hell. Now remember, I had quoted in the teaching I did on the Antichrist that one of the main goals of the New World Order, they stated this back in the early 1900s, was the Judaization of Christianity. Now, it's taken them a long time to achieve that, about 100 years. But they wanted to Judaize Christianity. They've done a really good job. And again, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, let's read part of this prophecy. The critical turn in thinking which Christians must make, we must make this turn, is a shift away from the Greek corruptions of the past, 
What are they referring to? The Greek New Testament. They're saying he's subtly implying in this prophecy, supposedly from God, and we know it's not from God because why would God contradict his word? I am the Lord God, I changeth not. That's what the Bible says. And his word is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words. That's what the Bible says. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. That's what the Bible says. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Wow. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Huh, that's the way it keeps us from sin? Yeah. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That was Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But see, what I'm seeing here is when they say, they shift away from the Greek corruptions, that's a real nice, subtle way of saying the Greek New Testament is filled with corruptions. And you're going to see that theme all along here. That by itself is enough for me. That's all I would need to, to know about this movement to know that they themselves are the servants of corruption. While they promise them their, their followers liberty, they themselves are the servants of, servants of corruption. And of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. These people have been overcome. And understand something. This is a demonic, spiritual thing you're dealing with. When you deal with somebody that's in the Hebrew Roots Movement that gets wrapped up into this, you're dealing with demons and devils and doctrines of devils. So approach it in that way. You just don't go try to reason with these people. If you're really trying to reach one of them, you need to be praying about this, possibly fasting. These are very powerful demonic deceptions. It's like trying to reach a Catholic. Very, very hard to do. Aside from prayer and fasting. And the Lord's the only one that can do it. The Lord's the only one that can get to them. So let's read this. This is the prophecy part of it. The critical turn in thinking which Christians must make is a shift away from the Greek corruptions of the past. And you're going to see that theme over and over. What is that doing? It's getting us to doubt the word of God. Oh, the, that New Testament, it's full of corruptions. You know, it, you know, the moment you start believing in that, you might as well just throw up your hands and do whatever you want to do. Because the moment you start questioning the word of God and thinking that it's corrupt, what, what do you have to stand on? Quicksand? Your faith has been totally undermined. Do you think that's of God? It's one of the primary ways they put doubts in the fall in their the heads of their followers. I'm going to start one more time. I'll read it through this time, sorry. The critical turn in thinking which Christians must make is a shift away from the Greek corruptions of the past and back toward the center line God-ordained Hebrew runway down which Jesus himself came and landed perfectly. Now Jesus is like some big airplane, evidently, in their mind. Jesus himself was the airship and the terminal where he had been loading since he... I mean, isn't this irreverent? This is irreverent. I mean, almost blasphemous, really. Why would you be so irreverent in referring to Jesus Christ 
the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, our kinsman redeemer, why would you be so flippant referring to him as an airship? Uh, this stuff really gets me, the Bible says be angry and sin not. This is this gets me righteous and indignant because it's going to take a lot of people to hell. And I resent that. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. And I've seen a lot of people that started out pretty good get in this. They're done. I mean, you can't... These are some of the most hopeless people to try to reach. They think they're so much better, whether they want to admit it or not, that deep down it always ends up happening where they think they're better, more holy, better than everyone else. Well, I'm keeping the feast days and I'm keeping the Sabbath and, and I've got my little hexagram on and I'm wearing my little um, skullcap beanie and I'm growing my beard a certain way. Never ends. And I'm, I'm being taught by a rabbi and they're reading off a scroll. And we're keeping our feast days and all these things. It's pride. What it boils down to, pride. Pride goeth before a fall and haughty spirit before destruction. Pride will always blind you. Blinded Satan. First time sin's ever mentioned really in the Bible really wasn't the Garden of Eden. It was before that. When, when, when Satan fell. Because of his beauty and his merchandise, the Bible says he was lifted up. It, what did that boil down to? Pride. It blinded him. Deluded him. It's the same thing. Pride is the most dangerous thing there is. Pride will take more people to hell than any other thing on the planet. If you really boil things down, pride will do it. What of what all, all the people that are involved in all the various isms in the world? All the religious isms, Catholicism, you know, Mormonism, Confucianism, Hinduism, Hebrewsisms. If you start believing that your good works are taking you to heaven, oh, I only partly believe that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Well, I, I want to have all my bases covered. It doesn't work that way. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name given among men whereby ye much must be saved. And it's Jesus Christ. That's another issue we're going to cover. The whole sacred name issue. We're going to cover that in depth as well. It's all going to be done in this, in this huge teaching. And again, this has been years in the making. Going further with this prophecy, Jesus was the airship and the terminal where he had been loading since his first coming has been the world into which he has come. The runway then is the Old Testament, i.e. all the Old Testament Hebrew truth and revelation and much of the Hebrew culture and custom that came with it. Now, in that regard, they're trying to refer you to the extra-biblical books, the Midrash, the Talmud, all these other extra-biblical books. And we're going to see that's obvious. Now, you think this prophecy came from God? God is not the author of confusion. God wouldn't have had th this written in such an incredibly irreverent way. God wouldn't be pointing us back to the old covenant. 
Where does it talk about that? Well, let's just read a few verses on that. Why would God be pointing us back to the old covenant that the Jews were under, that were given specifically to the Jews? Why would he do that? The Bible says in Hebrews 12.24, And Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling, that's speaking things better than that of Abel. Hebrews 8.6 But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Galatians 5.4 Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. You're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. How do you fall from grace? Whosoever of you are justified by the law, that's one way. You think you're justified by the law? In the keeping of the law? You're fallen from grace. James 2.10 For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So if you're gonna if you're gonna follow the law, you better keep all the points. You better be perfect and sinless. You can't. You're born into sin. The very thought of foolishness is sin. That's what the Bible says. The thought of foolishness is sin. Who have, who hasn't had a foolish thought? It makes you a sinner. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. You cannot get saved by keeping the law. Well, we're not. We're we're just we're going back to our Hebrew roots, and we're 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 yeah, we're just emphasizing some things in these other books. But we still believe the Bible. No, you don't. You can't have it both ways. You may start out believing that, but eventually you're going to have to choose whom this day you're going to serve. You're going to have to choose which road you're going to ultimately end up going down. Romans 9.31 But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Israel tried, but they couldn't do it. Galatians 2.21 I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Just throw up your hands and... Live like, you know, we're under evolution, that we evolved from a rock or something, because, you know, eat, drink today, for tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die, as the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes. You know, that's the, that's the way of the, of the person that's just living for the world. Galatians 3.21 Is the law then against the promises of God? So let's have some balance. God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily, righteousness should have been by the law. There wasn't ever a law given that could give life, true life. Philippians 3.9 And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Remember, if you think you have your own righteousness, that's of the law. Whether it's you're following the Jewish Levitical law or whatever law, of the that's the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which of which is of God by faith. Romans 10.9 For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. It's the Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Titus 1.14 This is what we're going to be talking about. 
not giving heed to what? Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Jewish fables. Uh, could that maybe be what the Babylonian Talmud is? That blasphemes Jesus Christ, the oral tradition? Who they said has supplanted the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Many rabbis have said it. I documented that in the previous four studies. What is that? It's a Jewish fable. And the commandments of men that turn from truth. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John fourteen six. You, you could go on and on. I'm, I'm just going to read those verses. I don't, I, I don't want to go. I'm going to read more. There's just so much proof regarding this subject. Going further, I mean, now, when, and again, I'm just going back to this prophecy that this church bases its ministry on. Okay? Now, again, Again, if you have a prophecy that's supposedly coming from God that totally... This is a total rejection of the New Testament. A very subtle total rejection of the New Testament. Why? Well, let's read the first part. The critical turn in thinking which Christians must make is a shift away. This is this prophecy supposedly from God. Critical turn in thinking which Christians must make is a shift away from the Greek corruptions of the past and back toward the centerline God-ordained Hebrew runway. The Greek corruptions, the Greek corruptions of the New Testament is what they're subtly referencing here. And we're going to see they get a lot more um, bold in that assertion with a lot of other things. This sounds like a total rejection of the New Testament. And if you totally reject the New Testament, who are you also rejecting? The author of the New Testament, Jesus Christ. Why? Because John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. That's what John 1 says. He is the Word. You reject the New Testament... You're rejecting Him. You're rejecting the new and better covenant. This prophecy came from the devil. God doesn't contradict Himself. God is not the author of confusion. This prophecy, which this ministry is basing their whole premise on, comes from the devil. These people are living a lie. Sounds pretty serious to me. And then this prophecy ends by saying, we'll leave on the same runway Jesus Jesus landed on. The Old Testament Hebrew revelations and prophecies and the Hebrew ways of thinking and living. Now, the prophecy here is including the Hebrew ways of thinking and living, which is modern day Judaism, which we totally proved in the first four teachings of this study, which is the foundation, is nothing more than a cult. A cult that rejects Jesus more than any other cult I've seen maybe save Satanism and says more blasphemous things about him. It is not the Old Testament 
Levitical Jewish religion. It is not that. It is totally different. And a lot of people think it's Judeo-Christianity. It's not Judeo-Christianity. It's just Christianity. Judaism has nothing to do. Modern-day Judaism is an absolute total corruption of biblical Old Testament Levitical that religion. And again, that was all proven in previous studies. Going further, this, this prophecy continues, the correction of this past mistake is the turning of the great airliner in what is called the Hebrew, the Greek to Hebrew shift. Now, who was referred to as the airliner? Jesus Christ. So now, Jesus Christ is the airliner. Okay, The correction of this past mistake is the turning of that great airliner in what is called the Greek to Hebrew shift. Or the Hebrew movement. It is what God now expects from us before He more fully empowers us. Oh, so we've got to have this new revelation, which is a big common theme in charismatic Pentecostal circles. It's always about something new and different. I look back on my days in the Pentecostal charismatic religion and I think I never was in a time where I had more confusion, more demonic problems, and I see it so consistently with people I've still dealt with up until recently that are involved in the Pentecostal religion. They are some of the most confused. They've got more trouble and more demonic problems in their life. And they think it's because they're so holy, the devil is double-timing them and attacking them. No, it's because they have so many open doors for demons to come in that it's just relentless. Well, I can't imagine why. I mean, I keep Sky Angel on 24-7. I got Paul Crouch playing all the time. They think that keeps them safe. They do. And again, I tie a lot of the Pentecostal stuff in with this. Because I saw it firsthand. I lived it. I know it's tied in with it. It's also, Pentecostalism is also one of the, and the charismatic movement is also one of the ways the Catholics and the Pentecostals are going to end up uniting in the coming one world religious system. That's what a lot of this is talking about, isn't it? Called, oh, let's all get on the same page. Every religion has something to offer, not if it's not what the Bible says. Not if it gets away from the Word of God, it doesn't. It has nothing to offer you. But corruption... Charismatic Catholics. I had one in my Bible study. What was our common ground? The the charismatic tongues at the time that I was involved in? That was right when God took me out of all this stuff at the same time. They're all going to get on the same page. The coming one world religion. United under the Antichrist and the false prophet. So, back to the prophecy. It is what God now expects from us. This shift to the Hebrew roots movement. Now, you know this is a devil speaking this. Hopefully, I've established that at this point. This is a ministry that's based their whole ministry on this prophecy. And again, I've said this many times. If whatever you think you're hearing from God contradicts the Word of God, and now how could you contradict the Word of God much more than this prophecy? Basically, subtly implying that the whole New Testament is a corruption. Well, if, if whatever you're hearing from God contradicts whatever you're hearing that you think is from God, if it contradicts the Word of God, it's not from God. And if you go to Deuteronomy 18, it's the test of a prophet, 
And basically what that says is that if you hear a prophet say something and it come not to pass, that prophet didn't hear it from God because God gets it right 100% of the time. Also, there's another qualification there. It talks about in Deuteronomy as well where the prophecy must not contradict the word of God. I had that pointed out to me the other day when I was reading this report. And it was a Bible, it was also in De- uh, Deuteronomy. It says you're not supposed to, con- if, if it says, if this prophecy comes to pass, but, it, but at the same time it says, go serve other gods. Well, some, a lot of times the witches get it right. The psychics get it right. The crystal balls get it right. The tea leaders and the palm readers get it right. Let's say, let's give them, let's give them uh, 40% of the time. Now, Dion Warwick, psychic uh, friends, network got shut down because they were getting it wrong so much of the time and they were getting sued because people were acting on these false prophecies from the doctrines of devils that they had to shut down. Poor Dion Warwick. I mean, what's this world coming to when you can't have a call-in Psychic Hot Friends network and have it be successful? So, if the prophecy... Let's say the prophecy even comes to pass... But that prophecy is telling you to go serve other gods. Isn't that what we're doing here? Well, you gotta go, you gotta go back to your Hebrew roots. You've gotta go do this. You've gotta get away from the New Testament, this corruption, corrupted New Testament, and get into the plumb line of the Hebrew roots movement. Back into the Old Testament. That's another qualification for a false prophet. The last line here says of this prophecy is, it is what God now expects from us before he more fully empowers us and thrusts us into his glory. A lot of these people are going to be thrust into hell. That's where they're going to be thrust into. It's what we need to do to make him, him more comfortable about openly identifying himself with us in his full approval of glory and power. What a lie from the pit of hell. We need to do this to make Jesus Christ more comfortable. Hey, not me saying it, it's them. This is the most highly referenced study. I should should have said that first. This is the most highly referenced study I have ever done. At the end of every part, and I'm going to post this. I had to post it in two parts. It's already posted on the uh, on my sermon audio. You'll see part one, and then what I'm going to try to do is alternate part one, part two, because I can't get the PDF. It's too big. This is 106 pages, just this part alone, not including what we did in the first four parts. That's not even on there, because I read that um, from another source. That wasn't online. 106 pages. And that's just on this. That's not including the sacred name stuff we're going to get into. And we've already done the hexagram study. I'm going to try to cover all aspects of this. Because there is more aspects to this than any other thing I've dealt with as of yet. So that was the end of that prophecy. So... Do we indeed have to become Jewish in thought and custom in order to fully understand the word of God and be pleasing before him? Are we to accept 
that we have been lacking and even deliberately misled, as some will say, by the New Testament and the many fundamental teachings of it. God is not the author of confusion. The implications could be indeed overwhelming. If this were a possibility, what we, what, uh, what of the needed reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles? You know what? You know when the reconciliation is going to come? At the end, or, or somewhere in the, in the tribulation, when the Jews finally have their eyes open and they're going to look upon whom they've pierced. And we've talked about this. And they're going to have their eyes open. And they're going to, oh, a third of them are going to be brought through the fire. That's what's going to get their eyes open. That's when reconciliation is going to take place between a born-again Christian and one-third of the Jews. The reconciliation doesn't... We shouldn't be concerned about reconciliation between us and the Jews. We need to be concerned about reconciliation between the Jews and the Lord Jesus Christ. If the reconciliation is made between a Jew and the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can have fellowship, proper fellowship, with that person as a born-again Christian, as a brother or sister in Christ. But we don't go to the Jew and try to pity-patter around issues and try to do things to appease them, which you're going to see is also a very common theme, and view them as superior to us, so that we can supposedly win them to Christ and compromise and do all these things in order to kowtow to them like a lot of Christians will do in order to grant their favor. That's a whole other issue we will talk about. Is there any truth to the charges of anti-Semitism toward Jews on the part of Christians in general? And from the New Testament. Does the teaching of the Jew and Gentile reconciliation change the meaning of scriptures found in Galatians 3.26-29? Which reads, For ye are all children of, of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ. The body of Christ, remember? We are the body of Christ. And if ye be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that's a pretty awesome Bible verse there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop there and we'll go into the next part here. God bless you.